up on Facebook, you saw some of the things we were getting into. There was a story that was told, it was a historical story, a story from uh, Napoleon and his, his battles. And when he was uh, conferring with some of his leaders during the before the battle was to begin, conferring their strategies and things that they were going to do, um, all of a sudden his horse got spooked and took off running. There was a private who saw this horse go off running and he jumped on his horse and took off after the horse. And he was able to catch up to Napoleon's horse and, uh, and bring it in and was able to bring it back and deliver it to Napoleon. Napoleon looked at him and he said, Thank you, Captain. And without even blinking an eye, the uh, private went over to the supply shed and he uh, picked up himself a captain's uniform and put it on. He went from private to captain, just like that. He didn't question it. <laughs> he just said, he called me a captain, so I am a captain. And he went right on over. Sometimes I think people think in the body of Christ that, the, that uh, promotions ought to come just like that. That we ought to be a private here one time and then just uh, all of a sudden become a, become a captain. We just moved up in the area of promotion. But with God, he doesn't uh, make mistakes like that. He, um, or promotions quite that quickly. There's some preparations. And we're going to talk about some things as far as the preparation goes in the area of, of getting us ready because uh, we're going to spend some, some weeks here on the things that God has put in us. Remember, we started off this, this whole part that, that God has put inside of us wisdom. And then uh, people that we're supposed to be out there, we're supposed to draw off of what God has put us in us in the area of wisdom. That's there for us to, to tap into, but we're not always doing it. That the things that God has given us, we need to draw out. They don't just happen. And there's a number of things that God has given us. And we need not be aware that they're already on the inside of us. We can just draw them out. And so here's one of the things we're going to look at today. And that is the calling of God. You all have been called by God to do something. To work in some capacity to be a, a place in the body of Christ. Last week we were looking at bad seeds. We saw how the enemy comes along and tries to put bad seeds in the field. Bad seed, of course, is corrupted word. Trying to put that in to get our focus on things that are not in the word. Things that maybe came from the Word, but we're not staying with the doctrine of what the Word of God said to, to do about that. And we've talked about some of the examples of that, some of the places that people go with that. But here today, we're going to take a look at Exodus. We're going to take a look at the call on someone. But before we do that, we got a lot of blanks in your in your outline today, a lot more than than usual. But I said uh, up on Facebook, I'll repeat it to you here today. There are three phases to accomplishing God's purpose for you. Three phases. If you're going to accomplish God's purpose, there are three phases to it. So, but today we're going to spend most of our time in the middle. I saw Ethel's comment up there in the, on the thing like Oreo cookies. And that's exactly right. Some people like to... Now, how many people, when you eat an Oreo cookie, open them up and eat the middle? Eat the middle first. Anybody around here like that? Okay, just one person who misses it. That's good. <laughs> now, I mean, if you're going to eat an Oreo cookie, for, for me, I do it all, all at once. I just uh, I want the, the whole experience. But um, I've seen a whole lot of people, you know, they peel them apart and... Then they scrape off the, the cream and they, they like the middle part first and then they go after the, the, the other things. But there are three phases to accomplishing the purpose of God in your life. Three phases. The first phase is called. When you are called by God to do something. When you recognize God has called me to do something in particular. Now a calling from God can be all kinds of things. Don't just think, well, I have to be a pastor, I have to be a teacher, I have to be an evangelist, I have to be a prophet, I have to be an apostle. That's fivefold callings. And certainly people are called into those things, but there's much more beside that as well because Paul doesn't just talk about those, he talks about other aspects to it as well. 
and some of those others, he talks about helps ministries. There's a calling in the area of helps ministries. There's a calling in the area of being in the music team and being a, a part of the worship team. There's a calling into that. There's a calling into many different aspects of the, of the church. Encouragement is one. Some people are called to encouragement. And they've got to pursue that. I mean, it's, it's up to all of us to encourage. But some people have that particular calling that's on their life and they just seem like they can just flow in that. You're called into to that area. Some people are called in finances. And they are able to just, it seems like, produce money. And sometimes, and the Word of God talks about that, that uh, they're givers. And, and God has called them into those. So there's many, many different things. We're not going to spend all the time on all the different types of callings that you can have, though sometime we, we may have to do, do that just to make sure everybody's familiar with it. But the first thing is, is when we come along and all of a sudden I've realized God has called me into this area of ministry. And I know what the area of ministry is. I feel a calling from God. That's the start of it. That's where it begins. And then we go on to the next part. And the next part is preparation. I'm going to give you the three areas, three phases here first, and then we're going to go back and, and do some more stuff in the middle. But we are called, and then we go through preparation. Here's the third phase, and that's sent, or I put in parentheses here for you, anointed. Sent. Uh, in the New Testament, sometimes it's called set apart. Set apart to me, Barnabas and, and, and uh, Paul and Barnabas, for the work to which I have called them. See, there's a calling... And there's a setting apart or ascending. And that part in the middle is the preparation. That's the part that not everybody likes a whole lot. But that's where we, we need to spend a lot of time. So we're going to spend most of our time here in this area. Now under preparation, there are four aspects to this. The first one is training. That God is training you up for what it is that you're, you're going for. If you were an athlete, athlete, there are certain training that you would do to get your physical body ready. If you were a musician, there's certain training that you do to practice to get ready with that, that instrument so that you know that instrument, so you know the songs. Whatever it might be, there's training that goes on. There's also teaching. You're going to be needing to learn some things. Whatever it is that you're going to do, you need to learn about it. You need to learn about the Word. You need to, there's a teaching that goes on. There's a training and there's a teaching that goes on. Those two, two phrases, uh, phases. Those, um, those are kind of the more fun ones than the others. So, you know, sometimes with, uh, with training, uh, if, if you ever did anything in athletics, part of training is fun and part is not. The fun part is, you know, when you train, you're in, on an athletic team, you get to eat more. That's the fun part. You get to eat more. You, you don't have to be careful about how many cookies you have at the end of dinner. Because it makes no difference. I can have as many as I want. <laughs> you can just, you, you don't have to count calories. You know, if you're, when you're not doing that anymore, you got to start counting calories. I can't have that. If I have that, then I'm going to, you know, you have all those things going on. But that, that's one of the perks of going out in the, in the sports field is, is um, being able to eat what you want. So there's training. There's teaching. These are the things you need to get into. These are actually the fun areas. But then we have some that are not so fun. Not quite as much. And here's the, the third one, stretching. Now, I don't mean stretching like an athlete stretches his muscles. I mean when God starts moving you into areas, man, I, I am uncomfortable. We are, we're going to get in some spots and doing some things in this area of ministry. I haven't done this before. Man, I, this is just, this is stretching me. I have not been called upon to do these. Part of your preparation is times of stretching. 
when you will be made to do things that you feel like this may break me, this may this may cause me to. Uh, I don't know if I can get this done. I don't know if I can I can do these. So there's the stretching part. Here's the the fourth one that I put in here: building, and then I put in parentheses afterwards the bridges, building of bridges. That throughout the process of your life, you have been disconnected from certain things that you need to in order to accomplish your calling. You've been disconnected from them. And God needs to build some bridges back in that. Now, as we get into the, the end part here, we'll explain more what that's like, but I just wanted to give you the outline here of this. This is what's going on. You've got your training. You've got your teaching. You've got to keep eating. You've got to, you've got to bring that food in. You've got to get yourself ready for what's, what's coming ahead. You've got to get that word in you. Then there's the stretching and the building. So that's the basis of it. But let's get on over here to Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. Exodus chapter 3. In verse 1. Now I put this, uh, I think I put this in your outline. I don't think it's just in mine. Whenever we are stretched in preparation for the call of God in our lives, the enemy will attempt to turn our thinking negative in several areas. So when you are being stretched in your preparation, understand the enemy is going to come in and try and put some negative stuff in there. Verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert, came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that he, will, he may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to, to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So, he's been in training. He's been, he was called 40 years ago. He answered the call of God to be the deliverer, but he did it in the wrong way. And then, of course, he fled Egypt, and he went over to, the, uh, to these folks over here, and they had a need of a shepherd, and so he decided to be a shepherd. He took up another occupation and he, he learned it as he, as he went. When he first signed up, I don't know that he was all that good at it, but he was good at driving people away who were uh, messed with the ladies who were trying to feed the flock. So he got hired for that, for that reason. But God is now ready to get him stretched a little bit. We need to, you've been too comfortable here in the, this part of the wilderness. You've been, you know, waking up in the morning and tending the sheep and, uh, feeding the sheep and, and and if you've ever done this I mean you have to get up early in the morning probably a long day 
probably a lot of walking, a lot of work that has to get done. Uh, you may say, this is not easy. Sometimes we're, we're in preparation and we're looking at the things we're involved with and we may say, this is not easy. Well, it may not be easy, but you're not stretched yet. God knows how to stretch people. Just think about Gideon over there. Gideon got stretched. Other people, they got stretched. They got pushed past points where they, they thought they were okay with. So here's uh, Moses. He's just, you know, he's fine. I was called by God. I obviously missed it. And uh, so I've been over here in this part of the wilderness. And so God shows up. Now, I don't know about you, but if God shows up in my life in a fiery burning bush, more than likely it was because I missed him in some other place. I'm not listening. Because God was, is going to try and speak to you in other ways. And if he's not listening, then you're not getting your attention, then he's going to come a little bit stronger. And I'm sure if, if Moses started to feel that God's saying, look, I called you to be the deliverer, Moses is saying, nah-uh, I tried that, it didn't work, I'm not going back, I'm not doing that again, find somebody else, uh, get behind me, Satan, all that sort of stuff. You know, we, we want no part of this whole thing of, of uh, delivering Israel. That's uh, obviously I'm not hearing from God. He's, he's just not getting the message. And so God decides to do a new thing here for in his life anyway. He's never seen, I've, I've never seen a burning bush. He's got to do something to get his attention. And so he starts this uh, burning bush here for him. You know, if he had seen a, a bush burning all the time and was not consumed, I don't think it would have gotten his attention. The reason it got his attention was I'd never seen a bush burn but not be consumed. I can't even imagine what that would look like. I've seen people trying to draw pictures of this and yeah, I don't know. One person's idea is as good as another, I guess. But here's what he says when, when God calls to him. In verse 10, Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Oh. Huh. We're on that again, huh? But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Here is the first area... The first thing that um, people try to mess with you on this particular area. I call this area ouch because it's the area being stretched. How many have ever stretched your muscles? How many know it's not pleasant? It generally hurts. There's some pain involved. Now, it's not supposed to be a lot of pain, but if there's no pain in stretching your muscles, you're not doing it right. There ought to be some pain involved in stretching your muscles. If there's a lot of pain, you're probably still doing it wrong. But there ought, you ought to feel something. There ought to be something that you're feeling. And, this, and when God stretches you, you will feel it. And He is feeling it right now. Oh, wait a minute. God, I mean, this is the Word of God is there telling Him. I want you to go bring my people out. Oh, no. Oh, no. Can you imagine telling God no? I mean, it's one thing to tell God no when He's a still small voice in your spirit and you're not sure who, who it is. But when he's right there in front of you on a burning bush speaking to you and you say, no. That's a whole nother level than what we, in, we usually walk in. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Here's the first area that the devil tries to come and mess, you, mess with your thinking on. What I think of myself. When you go through the training process, when you're going through this preparation, the enemy is going to come in and try and sow thoughts about yourself and how you are inferior 
how you are not worthy, how you cannot live up to whatever call you think you have received. Who am I? Now, don't just look at Moses and think, well, this is just Moses. This is not just Moses, folks. This is us. Because if God has put something on you, and He says, I want you to speak this word of encouragement to this person. I want you to do this for this person over here. The first thing that comes up in many people's minds is, well, who am I to encourage them? I mean, I'm discouraged. I mean, I'm not doing much better than that. Who do I think I am that I can go in there and, and do any kind of good or do any kind of help? Who am I? We're in the same boat as, as Moses here. You see, while you're going through your preparation, the enemy has been sowing things because he wants to pull something out of you. God wants to pull that calling out of you, but the enemy wants to pull all this stuff out of you. So he's sowing some seeds to try and get there. And he's been sowing seeds by what other people have been saying. He's been sowing seeds in how you're interpreting the looks of other people. He's been sowing seeds in how frustrated you got with this particular thing over here. Or how this didn't work. He's just constantly trying to sow seeds and all these things. And again, other people are not sowing seeds in your life, folks. It's the enemy. He's looking for an opportunity that other people give him. But he's going to come along and he's going to try and sow seeds into you. So this is the first thing. What I think of myself. Now, there are a bunch of verses on you shall love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, if you go through the New Testament, I mean, it's a quote from the Old Testament. It's in the Old Testament. It's one of the laws that's in there. Jesus is is uh, said to comes up in in uh, four different places. Not all four gospels. I didn't find it in John. I, I wrote four gospels, but I I um, I didn't find it in John. But Matthew records it twice. It seems like there's two different occasions in which Jesus spoke that. And then Mark and, and Luke also record it. Paul records it over in the book of Galatians and in the book of Romans. And then James records it. They all put this in. Now, you see that, that one verse repeated seven different times. You all know God's trying to tell you something. And here's what it says. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, most of us have half of that down. I'm okay with the love of my neighbor part more so than I am about loving myself. Or we go to the other extreme and I love myself, but I don't love my neighbor. But that's not how you're supposed to go. You're supposed to go in such a way that you love your neighbor as yourself. So if the devil can mess up any, any one side of that equation, he's messed up your life. You see, if he can't get you to hate the people around you, to not love the people around you, he's going to get you to hate or to not love yourself. Because if you're supposed to love other people as you love yourself, if he can lower that bar, then you'll never go above that as you love other people. Because why would somebody else be worthy of more than you are? Jesus never tells you not to love yourself. Never once does he tell you don't love yourself. Folks, you ought to be in love with yourself. You can look up in the mirror and say, I like you. You can do that. Just don't stop there. Like other people too. Love them too. But see, this is what the, the enemy wants to mess with you on. Don't let him mess with you on it. I am worthwhile. God made me worthwhile. God sent His Son to die for me because He saw me as worthwhile. He saw me as valuable. If God saw me as valuable, who am I to say, I'm not? I am valuable. Imagine this. If you were having a garage sale or a yard sale at your house 
and you took all that stuff that you don't want. Because what do we put out in the yard sales in our own home? What, what stuff do we put out there? The stuff that we don't want, that we don't think we could sell on an eBay or a Craigslist and get any money for. And so we just, I just want to get rid of this stuff and we put it out in the yard sale. And what if somebody came walking on up the driveway and is looking at the stuff you had in the yard sale and they find some trinket that you thought was valueless and they say, uh, how much is this? And you don't want to be embarrassed. So you say, ah, I don't know, what kind of, give me a price. Then that person says, well, would you be okay if I just gave you $500 for it? And after you picked yourself up off the ground, you're beginning to wonder, hmm, how much value does this thing have? What is it? How's this person seen this value? Now you're stuck. Do I sell it to him for $500, which is $500 more than I thought the thing was worth? Or do I say no and go try and find out how much this thing is really worth? <laughs> I don't know what to do now. My, uh, my value on the thing has been, been compromised. Somebody messed with it. You see, somebody has messed with your value of how much you're worth. You don't realize how much God thinks you're worth. God thinks you're worth a lot. So he says, love other people just like you love yourself. So love yourself. It's a good thing to do. I want to make sure that you do that. You do that. Let's go on to verse 13. Take a look at some other things because that's we, we saw the first, first spot here. Who am I? Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? All right, he says, All right, well, if I do this thing that you're saying, if I realize that I am somebody who can do this, and I, I go along with your plan, let's just, just, just say that I do. Because he's not saying that he is just yet. Realize, realize that. Just, just say I go along with your plan. And I go on down there and I tell them, I'm here to deliver you. And they say to me, who sent you? What am I supposed to say? Now don't put Moses down too much for this because how many times have you getting, received an assignment from God? I want you to bless brother, sister, so-and-so with this money. I want you to give this encouraging word. I want you to speak this verse to so-and-so. I want you to... And he tells us things to do. And how many times... Do we, do we do this to ourselves? Well, who am I? Or we go with it. Well, how will they know that God sent me? So if I can get past the who am I part, I then get to the spot. Well, how will they? I mean, if I speak this thing, who's, who's sending me? How will they know that God is the one sending me this, on this thing? How will they know that? And Moses says, well, if I do go on this, this trip and do go out there and, and do this thing, who am I going to say sent me? You know, some guy in a burning bush? Now understand, Moses has already failed at this. He's going back to the same people. And some of them are going to remember. Hey, I remember you. Didn't you uh, fail at this before? So if, I, if I'm going to say that you sent me, I'd at least know your name. What's your name? God said... To Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. That doesn't even sound right. Who sent you? I am. Who? Sounds like one of those who's on first routines. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. 
This is my name forever. And this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites to a land flowing with milk and honey. Then they will heed your voice and you shall come you and the elders of Israel, to the king of Egypt. And you shall say to him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not even by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders which I will do in its midst. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. And of course, you know the story how it all unfolded. They were so anxious to get rid of them. They gave them all that they could. They plundered. They didn't just take little trinkets that they didn't see were valuable, they took lots of gold with them. And and this is what God is saying is going to happen. He's giving them the whole outline. He's not going to listen to you at first. But I'm going to show him some stuff. He's going to listen to you. He's going to listen to you. He's going to heed what it is that you have to say. But here's the second thing we come to. The second problem, the second thing that the enemy wants to try and, and hit us with is what I think others think about me. If I can get past what I think about myself then the next obstacle to, get to overcome is what others think about me. Because there's one thing that I can finally look in the mirror and say, all right, I'm okay. I can, I can do this. But then I have to get in front of them and what's everybody else going to be thinking about me? Oh. I just know they're going to be thinking I'm making a fool out of myself. I just know they're going to be thinking and we list the things and of course the enemy comes right along. Help us out with that. Because he does not want you doing the plan of God. He's going to get you real subconscious about yourself. Who are you to give a word of encouragement to anyone else? What have you done? What kind of things do you know? You probably need to be receiving them, not giving them. And how do you know that you actually heard from God to give this word? So all these thoughts come in. But you see, we're not in the, we're not in the sent time. We're just in the preparation time. Because in the preparation time, you're going to be stretched. doesn't mean you're answering the call. It just means you're being stretched. But God's going to stretch you. He may even stretch you in areas that's, that's not in your calling. Just to get you used to being stretched. you got to get used to it. And when God says, hey, you can go out here and do this, then you go out there and you do it. Now, they may not think the thoughts that you think they think. They may not even think them. But just because you think they do, that will hinder you. So you've got to get that out of your head. So part of your training time is you've you got to get your thoughts about yourself out of your head, the, the negative ones, and you've got to get the thoughts about other people. That they're not receiving from you. That they don't like you. That they're not going to... You've got to get them out of your head. 
Because that's going to hinder you. You're going to say, who sent you? Why do you think you're a deliverer? I mean, you already failed once. Then you ran away. Where you been all this time? We've been here undergoing all this abuse from Pharaoh. Where were you at? Why are you here telling us what God is going to do? You're going to run away again? He can be thinking all this stuff. I'm not saying that the people are going to say that to him, but he can be thinking it. I just know they're going to respond this way. I just know they're going to be asking, where were you? What's going on? Let's get to the third area here. Then Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, The Lord has not appeared to you. So the Lord said to him, What is in your hand? He said, A rod. And he said, Cast it to the ground. So he cast it to the ground and it became a serpent. Moses fled from it. And the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand. Take it by the tail. Now I don't handle snakes very often. In fact, I try not to ever. Unless they're little harmless ones like, you know, corn snakes and stuff like that. That's, you know, what are they going to do to you? But uh, this is not, this is not a corn snake. This is a very ferocious, very nasty kind of a snake. They have those over there in that part of the world. And so he throws it down and turns into this serpent. And now Moses fled from it. So it's telling you that this is not just some little garter snake a little corn snake out there a little uh, king snake how many of y'all know what a king snake is? I've talked about that before king snake if you can get one get one put it outside out in your backyard you can get one king snake is one of the best things to have around your house I think everybody ought to have a king snake y'all saying why in the world would I want a snake? because that king snake will completely leave you alone but it will get big five, six feet long they're big snakes but they will eat everything you don't like everything. They will eat it. Take care of it. You won't have to trap it. Take, they're they're going to they're gonna take care of that for you. I think they might even take care of cats. I'm not sure. I don't know about that. But I know they, I know they do the small game. They take care of that. In fact, they even uh, uh, bully a lot of other snakes. And so if you have a king snake, put them underneath your front porch. No one's going to bother. I'm sure no one is going to take me up on that. Y'all are just going to not have them. But this is not that kind of a snake. This is a snake to put fear in the, in the heart of a man who's out in the wilderness all the time. He was afraid of this. He ran. And the Lord said to Moses, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. Now to his credit. And he reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand. See, if, you, uh, you gotta, if you're going to catch a snake, you've got to get the business in. You've got to get the business end of the snake. Not the tail. That's not the business end. you got to get to the other part because that part can, can fly around here and, and bite you. You don't want that going on. That they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, Now put your hand in your bosom. Put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they do not believe you nor heed the message of the first sign, they will believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, 
that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry ground. And the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry ground. So he's got these signs that he is to do to uh, help them with that. But here's the third area. First area is who am I? The second area is what are they thinking about me? Here's the third one. What I think their reaction to me will be. I mean, it's one thing about what people are thinking about you. That's hard enough to overcome. But what are they going to say? How are they going to react to me? What are they going to do? They're not going to believe me. They're not going to believe that God sent me. So these are the three things to understand that the enemy will come against you when, when you go through your preparation, getting ready for your call. Who are you? What are people thinking you are? Who do they think you are? And what is their reaction going to be to you? Well, he goes on here in verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, O oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before, before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. So here's the, the fourth area. We call this the, the bridges area. Because along the way, once you receive the call, even before you receive the call, but certainly after you receive the call, the enemy is working on severing you from those things that you need to accomplish the purpose of God. He's working on severing you from that. And so people who have musical talent, he's looking to sever you from that talent in that this is not, you're not so good at that instrument. Your voice isn't all that great. Why should you work at this? Why should you keep on going? He wants you to sever that. He wants you to, to think like Moses here. You can't speak. Now, he was brought up with the best education that there was. He probably did not have a problem with that. But somehow, he got it in his head that I can't speak. And he became separated from this, this aspect that was needed. See, Satan knew his call. The call was on his life. The call on Moses' life was not covered, was not hidden. Moses knew this is the deliverer. We've got to make sure we take care of this. We can't have him around. And so he was working on all aspects of things. He was working on who he thought he was. He was working on how he thought people would react. How, what people would think about him. And then he's working to sever those things that were important to him getting this ministry. And one of those things was he needed to be able to communicate. He needed to be able to talk because he's going to go before Pharaoh. He's going to speak. He's going to go before all the people of Israel and he's going to speak to them. And he needs to be able to communicate information and talk with them. And so he feels like he has been severed from this. You see that uh, the road was washed out. The bridge was taken away. And what's over there, all right, I might need it, but I can't get to it now. I feel separated from that particular thing. And this is what he's going to do. He's trying to do it to you as well. He's trying to separate you from those things that are important for you to do your ministry. To do the thing that God has called you to do. He's trying to make you think that it has, it's no good. There's no value. Whatever it might be. And he did that with Moses. And so God is telling him, look, I made your mouth. I can make it work. I can fill it with words. This is not a problem. We can get this taken care of. You see, God will build bridges to connect you again to those things that are important for what you need to do. 
to build those bridges. Oh God, I, I, I know I need to, to get better at this particular thing over here. I just don't feel very good at that. And God will build bridges be- for those things. Let Him build those bridges for you. Now He goes on to say here, well, I guess I, gave you, I messed up a blank here. We probably became disconnected to a certain gifting or ability in the process. God needs to reconnect you with those. And He'll do it. God will reconnect you with those things that you need. Let God do it. Ask God, God, how can I get reconnected with that? I feel, feel like, and I can say like Moses, I am not, you can fill in your own blank. I don't have a blank. My, mine's blank too. Fill in whatever you want right there. I am not eloquent of speech is what he said. What are you not? You see, because whenever we start to get stretched and we start moving out in the things that God has for us, once we come up and we feel inadequate, the, the devil loves to fill our mind with and you'll never get adequate. You'll always be inadequate. This will not be working for you. But God can build bridges to those things just like he did here for for Moses. See, you're going to see something God has told you or something you need to do in connection to the calling. But I just feel insufficient. I feel like I'm lacking in that area. You know, if just about everything you do in the body of Christ involves people. How many of you at one point, don't raise your hand, use your inside hand. But how many of people, how many of you with people have felt like I don't like any of them. I don't want any people in my life. Get rid of them all. You see, God can reconnect you with that. He can build those bridges back in there. The enemy wants you to feel isolated. You don't need anybody. Just you and God. That's all you need. And you can start building those bridges back into the, to those areas. Let God do it for you. Now, he's always going to come with thoughts that reinforce this. They'll be continually directed at your way. Whenever an attempt is made to reconnect, whenever a bridge is attempted to be rebuilt, whenever a road is attempted to be repaved, the enemy will come and he will throw things at that rebuilding project. We want to stop that rebuilding project. But just understand, not everything comes from the enemy because you're pretty good at this too. You are pretty good at putting yourself down. You are pretty good at tearing down those bridges as they're being built. You may even be one of the ones out there building the bridge. And I'm going to build this bridge and get this thing in here and then get discouraged halfway through and just tear it all down. And you're going to go out there and build it again. But God will build bridges. He'll reconnect you with the things that you need to get that calling, get that purpose going on for you. Verse 13. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. I don't care who you send. Just don't send me. I want to be completely disconnected from this. I don't want to hear another thing about Israel. I don't care if they get out or don't get out. Do whatever you want, but just don't involve me in this. I don't want to be involved. I want to stay away. Sometimes we, we do that too because in the preparation process we got discouraged. We got frustrated. We got to the point that mm, I don't know if I, if I really want to do this. You know, God may have called me to this but 
I mean, God, I think God just made a mistake with me. I think I'm just not the right one for this, this area of ministry. I don't think I'm the right one for this calling. I don't think I'm the right one for this purpose. God, look, just send someone else. Find someone else. I don't care who it is. Anyone's going to be better than me. Just send them. Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad of his heart. Now, this is interesting because Aaron is a, is a Jew. He's his brother. Where was Aaron? Aaron was in Egypt. He's one of the slaves. Folks, Aaron escaped. He made a run for it. He got tired of uh, being treated this way. He saw an opportunity and he left. And I guess he must have known where Moses was. He said, I'm going to go out and catch up with Moses, my brother. He may be thinking, we'll just hang out there together. I don't know if he's thinking at that time, we're going to go back down because he's an escaped prisoner. He's an escaped slave. And Aaron's going to walk right back in. So I would like to have that discussion. You know, we have all these videotapes we want to have rolling. I'd like to have that one. What happened when they met up? What does Aaron say? Hey, how you doing? Man, am I glad to be out of there. Uh, we're turning around. What? Yeah, we're going back in Egypt. I'm not going back in Egypt. I tried to say that too, and it didn't work. It's not going to work for you either. We got to go. I don't know what that conversation was like, whether it went that way, or whether Aaron was all excited that he's going to escape and go get Moses and bring him on down. Now there's a there's an an extra part of this, and I'm purposely staying away from it because it's part it's uh, for Wednesday. We have a little section to get into Moses, and so I'm leaving that for for Wednesday. So um, uh, it might be this Wednesday, it might be next Wednesday. This Wednesday, I know we're getting into Joseph. We haven't done too much too good about getting into more than one. But we're over in the book of Hebrews and uh, either this Wednesday or the next Wednesday we're going to be taking on something very interesting about Moses that will help us understand some of this that's going on. But for right now I am skipping over it on purpose. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and I will teach you what you shall do. Now you all know that Aaron was a spokesman in the beginning, but then after a while it seemed like Aaron had other jobs. Moses just talked for himself. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. Now you can go into the next version. You find that he goes on back and he tells Jethro, hey, i got to put my notice in. Um, oh, so you're giving us two weeks? No, I'm leaving now. Need to, need to go. See, sending someone else does not fly with God. It didn't fly with Moses. It's not going to fly for you. So you may go to God and say, God, I don't want to do this. And God says, I don't care. This is the purpose for which I put you out here. I will prepare you. I will get you ready. I will build the bridges back into the connections that you need. But um, you're going. Now understand, He has sent people to, to help you in the areas that you have need, just like he sent Aaron. Aaron's already on his way. He did that before he ever had the conversation because he knew what Moses was going to be talking about. 
it's probably him who, who orchestrated the opportunity for Aaron to escape. I wonder if we get to heaven we find out that something that happened like with Peter where the changes fell off happened with Aaron. Or all of a sudden, wow, I, was, I used to be changed. I'm not changed anymore. Man. In fact, uh, there's no one watching me. Well, I, I could take off and nobody knows it. I don't know. Could have happened like that. But uh, God had already put Aaron on his way before this conversation with Moses happened. He's already on his way to him, God says. So just know, if you need help, God's sending you help. He's sending you people to help. Just thank Him for it. And when they get there, I want you to understand something about this. When God sends you people to help you, this is, this is deep. I'll get ready. You may not like them. It, it, it's true. You may not like the people that are coming. And what is going to help you with that is that the devil, the enemy, he is going to speak some things to you about those people. He's going to say, that Vanessa character. You want her on your team? You, 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 really, you really think? Oh, you don't want Vanessa on your team. No. And I'll give you some reasons. You may not like the people that God sends. Just rebuke, just rebuke those thoughts. No way. If God put Vanessa on my team, I like her. I like her already because God picked her. God put her on my team. This is going to be a good thing. Don't give in to the enemy because the enemy is going to tell you. These people that are on your team, these people that are here to help you, these people that are coming into your life to speak into your life, these people that are there, it's going to tell you all kinds of bad things about them. But see, the Word of God says, think the best. That's what you got to do. Think the best. That's how we need to that's how we need to operate. Now the first two phases that we gave you here, training and teaching, they take discipline. You have got to be disciplined to stay in the training and to stay under the teaching. You gotta go out there and seek after the teaching that you need. And you gotta keep listening and keep listening and keep listening. And then go over it again. And then go over it again. And then go over it again. I'm going to get this down. I'm going to know what this stuff is. And then you keep on going through the training. But it takes discipline. I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to keep going with it. That's the first two phases. The third, that stretching, that third takes endurance and confidence. You're going to see that developed in your life. When God stretches you, your confidence could be shaken some. Who are you to be stepping out and doing this? But God is giving you an opportunity to build your confidence. Uh-uh. No, no, no. God called me to this. God wants me to do these things. He's got a reason for it. God knows who I am. He knows what he, what talents, what abilities He put in, in me. I have confidence to know. And endurance. Because people will come after you if you do what God says to do. People will come after you. They will try and get you to stop doing whatever it is that God has told you to do. So these are the things when you get into this third area. Third area. Of, uh, 
being stretched, your endurance is going to under, undertake some things. How much endurance do you have? Don't let go of it. Because you see you're in the training phases. God is stretching you. But he's getting you so that you become more endurance. Have more endurance. Because some people, as soon as they get any kind of opposition at all, they turn tail and they run. And God says, when, I, when you step out in this area, I can't have you turn the tail and running. I need you there. Moses, when you face some opposition from Pharaoh, I need you ready. So somewhere along these years, we don't know what all happened during these 40 years, but he's been having some things go on in the teaching and training area. But he's also had some things that are stretching him. He faced some things that caused him to be afraid. But he endured because he's going through the training. Finally, God sees that he's, he's gone through enough. And he's at that point. And now we need to, to do more. We need to send them out. But that's the third area. It takes endurance and it takes confidence. Here's the fourth. The fourth area. going to take boldness. It's going to take some boldness. You've got to be bold and stand up to some of these things. You've got to have that trust that what God has given you is right. I've got to have this thing going on. Don't, um, don't think that all of a sudden once you walk into the calling of God that all of a sudden now you'll be bold. That's not going to happen. It's going to take a little bit of time. So God is working on building the bridges, getting the connections back so that you can step out with that confidence, with that, with that, that boldness, and, and that trust. trust. God, I trust you. I trust that this thing that didn't work so well for me before, and I let the connection be broken because I thought I was no good of a speaker. I thought I was no good with words. I let that be broken but I'm going to rise up with boldness here. Remember, as timid as the disciples were when Jesus Christ was taken to be crucified, it wasn't more than some days later. They were bold. They were bold. See, Jesus had been training them. Now the time came, He set them apart. And when they went out, they were bold. You're going through some training. You're going through some things to change that area of boldness in you. To get you more bold. To get you to trust God more. Because the enemy wants you to not trust God. He has not really gifted you in this area. What do you think you are? He wants to try and keep severing those connections. And understand that's, that's not it. You see, God is out to pull out the gifting that He put on the inside of you. And God is going to draw that out of you if you let him. He wants to draw that out. He has put a gifting on the inside. And along, those, along that process of preparation, he's going to be teaching and training you. He's going, to be, he's going to be working with you on these things. He's going to be stretching you. All right, let's take him out over here. Let's stretch him in this area. Let's stretch him in this area. Oh, man, that just feels like, I don't know, my, my face seems so stretched in this particular spot. Yeah, that's good. We're, we're getting you stretched. 
can you stretch athletes before an event? They get out in the field and they, they do all kinds of things to, to stretch. Put those muscles under uh, the call on those muscles to, to do some things because they're going to need them during the during whatever it is, whatever event that they're doing. But learn to learn to trust in God. Learn to have boldness in what it is that He's doing with you. Because God is going to draw out of you that calling. See, there will come a day when maybe it already has, and we realize what my calling in life was. What is the purpose for me being here? And once we receive that, the enemy is constantly going to try and attack it make you think you didn't hear from God. You don't know what the purpose of God is. But you've got to keep going back to that. Now, this is what God said. This is what God called me to do. This is what God told me. And then go through the training process. That training process may last for a year, may last for 12 years, it may last, in this case with Moses, 40 years. 40 years from the time that he felt the call until the time that he, he moves into this again. 40 years. Preparation. In fact, I bet he even gave up on the whole thing and said, I'm glad that's out of, my, out of my life. Glad that's no longer here. But it's not done just yet. He had to still keep going. Now, there are two things that will keep you in preparation mode. Some of you may be thinking out there, man, I feel like I've been in preparation mode for a long time. When am I going to get out of preparation mode and get into set-apart mode? When am I going to be sent off into this thing? And the preparation mode can be lengthened or it's time continued on because of two things. First off, insufficient preparation. Well, I've prepared enough. Well, according to you. But you see, you don't know what's coming against you. You don't know what's out ahead of you when you get into that calling that God has. You don't know what's there. God does. And God says, He's not ready yet. He may think He's ready. He is not ready yet. We still need some more preparation. We still need to get some more things ready. You see, the, there's only one opinion that counts in this, and that's God's. Your opinion don't make any difference. It'd be kind of like, just, just picture this, even though most of us may not have played football, we've watched movies where there are football players involved, right? Can you imagine that the guy is on the bench and he goes up to the coach, Coach, I'm ready, put me in. See, the players don't call the they don't call for it, do they? Who calls for the, the, the who, who calls for the player to go in? Coach does. Coach says, Steve, get in there. But the coach doesn't say, Steve, get in there, where Steve stay? On the bench. It doesn't matter how much Steve thinks he's ready. Steve stays on the bench until the coach thinks he's ready. I gotta think that he I gotta think that I'm I'm ready. Or he's got to think I'm ready, not me. God has to think that he's ready, whether you're ready or not. And understand, God doesn't make mistakes. He knows if you're ready or not ready. He knows it. Coaches, in this life, we can make mistakes. But God doesn't make mistakes. He knows if you're ready. He knows if you're not. So you got to trust him. You say, I need some more preparation? I'll get some more preparation. Go after that preparation with everything you got. Sometimes the reason our preparation keeps on going on because we're still messing with, who am I? 
I'm still messing with what are they going to think about me. I'm still messing with how they're going to react to me. This is still a hold up, still a hang up for me. I got to get out of that thinking. And that's what your preparation time is for. Embrace the preparation. You see, you put the, the goal ahead of time. What's the goal? That calling and that election. That purpose that God has put me. That is the that's the reason I am here. What goes on for me in the next world is dependent on what I do with that. So everything about it is going to focus on that thing. And you've got to be all about it. You gotta be all consumed with the preparation. How long is this preparation gonna go? I mean, I was ready to prepare for a couple of weeks, but this has been going on for a lot longer. Mm. What kind of preparation we are, are we doing? You gotta listen to your spirit. The spirit of God's gonna guide you into some preparation. Steve, I need you to listen or study. Read, whatever it might be. I need you to get into some of these things. It's preparation for what's ahead. Everything's got to be all consumed about it. Now, you've done this in the natural. There's been some things that you've done in the natural. How many of you have ever wanted to go out and buy a new car? And what do we do? We do preparation for it, right? What kind of car do I want? And then what kind of a dealer do I want to deal with? And then how much money do I want to spend on this car? And where can I get the, the better financing deal on this? And we, we go through all these things and we read up on all the brochures and we read up on all the online stuff we can do to find out about the car. What kind of options it comes with. So by the time we walk into that dealer and we're looking to buy the car, we know everything about it. I'm prepared. I'm ready. I do not like buying cars. That's why I keep them for so long. Because I don't like the whole process. It takes hours. Why does it take hours? I came in here knowing what I wanted. Should be out here in 15 minutes. You never are. It's like six hours. Keep you from food. So I will sign anything. Just let me go out and eat. (laughs) That's that's what we can do. Oh, I'll tell you what. there's, There's... What kind of a sacrifice are you willing to make? As your eye on the prize. I say, I got my eye on the prize right now. You all know. I love to run. But I haven't been able to run for a while. And got a, got a thing going on. My doctor told me to give it up. He says, uh, you all just quit. He doesn't, think I, he doesn't think I should run ever again. Because uh, of the severity of the, of the whole thing. So I'm doing some other things to find out what we can do. And so one of the things uh, I'm trying to do... And believe it or not, I'm, I've changed my diet because uh, uh, I got on this anti-inflammatory thing to, to try and take this off. I'm eating stuff. I would shock you if I was telling you I was eating it. Now, see, when I was doing some of the research on it, one of the things that, that was listed on it was no more wheat. Dear Jesus, help me. Because I get like 90% of my calories 
from pasta and bread and wheat. <laughs> Cereal. I mean, come on. No more wheat. I had to cut out dairy. I had to cut out a lot of meats. Certain meats just uh, they're supposed to add to at least for a little while. So I cut out certain meats. Wasn't even doing burgers. No bread. No um, no beef. That's supposed to be eating raw vegetables. Raw vegetables. Broccoli. Cauliflower. Such things like that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so we stayed with it. And some of the things that I, that I like to, to eat, well, at least for the initial part, they were taken off the list. I'm not supposed to... I, I said, what am I allowed to eat? I'm looking at all this stuff, reading all this stuff. What am I supposed to eat? What kind of stuff can I do? And um, I lost five pounds. Because, you know, it's just it's, sometimes it's just better than just eat, not, not eat anything. I'm supposed to eat a whole lot of uh, cabbage. I said, you know, as long as it's raw, it's fine. Kale, spinach, all this sort of stuff. So I've been, I've been doing this for weeks. You know why? I mean, many weeks. Many, many weeks has been going on. And you know why I'm doing it? Because I want to run. I don't care to eat all this stuff, but I want to run. So we're, we're doing all that. And so one of the other things, you know, you're supposed to be out, out there and cycle. So I'm going out there and I'm cycling all the time. I love running. I endure cycling. I'm not a cyclist. This week was the first week I got out six days. Six days. Got over 100 miles. Six days got in there and rode each day. Seemed to help. And, uh, more so than just doing it the, the way I was doing it before. So, you know, we're, we're doing stuff, none of which I like to do, for the purpose of I want to run. Now, I know most of you would not do that. If a doctor came to you and said, don't ever run again, it's glory to God. This is... But you see, I, I have to put that in front of me. <clears throat> this is where I have to go. I'm doing stuff I don't like to do. I'm doing stuff I'm not comfortable doing. Cutting stuff out I don't like, necessarily like to cut out. But God's going to stretch you. There may be times God says, give this thing up for a little while. Because He's stretching you. He's getting you ready. Just trust Him. Whenever God says to do something, just do it. I mean, hats off to Moses. What did, what did Moses do when God says, pick that snake up by the tail? What did he do? No argument. Picked it right up. He ran away from it, picked it right up. That's what we got to do. When God says, go and speak to, go and do, that's what we need to do. Go out there and do it. So that's the first thing. Insufficient preparation. I may think I'm prepared, but I'm not prepared enough. So two things will keep you in preparation mode. One is insufficient preparation. The, the second one, this is simple. It's not yet time. It's not time yet. Now Moses answered the call of God and you remember, if you go back, and we're not trying to go through it all here right now, but God says that Israel was going to be in captivity for 400 years. Moses received the call at year 390. Ten years before 400 years was up. But he decided to answer it in his own strength. 
and didn't go through any preparation. God had 10 years of preparation for him to get him ready to do what God called him to do. And at 400 years, he would have been ready. But if you all know, God prophesied 400 years, but it was 430 years until they came out. Because of Moses' disobedience, he was over there in the backside of the wilderness for 30 extra years than he was supposed to. And because of that, the children of Israel were still in, in prison. Because apparently there was no one else that was going to be able to put the call on them. Ten years God had pre- planned to prepare Moses for his, for his ministry. Moses went a different direction. And then ended up extending it by 30 years. Two reasons you might still be in preparation. Insufficient preparation or it's not yet time. But God's getting you ready. God is getting you ready for something. And when it's time, you'll be in there to, to plug right in. Quit with the discouragement. Quit with the, well, who am I? Well, who sent me? Well, what will they think? What will they say? Quit with all that stuff. You get yourself ready. And when God speaks to you, you step on out there and you do it. And you get yourself ready. Understand you're going to be stretched. Understand God is going to build bridges to those things that you severed yourself from. He's going to build them again. He's going to help you to do it. Would you all stand up for me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you. You have put a calling on our life. Sometimes we have waited so long for that calling, we may think that it's not actually there. But it may just be that we have not been preparing ourselves correctly. We haven't been aware of what's involved in the preparation. We just think it's a waiting game. But there is preparation that you have to put us through to get us ready for what comes. Paul was called and a number of years later he was separated. And in between you did preparation. The disciples were called and after a number of years of preparation you turned them loose. So many others followed. They were called early. Samuel was called at a young age. You spent time preparing him so when the day came for him to step into that role, he was ready. So many others in the, in the Word of God are our examples in this. Father, you have called every single person in the body of Christ as a function, as something that they do for the body of Christ. And that calling can be made known to us if we don't know it. And if we have, and we're in our preparation mode, Help us, Father. I know the enemy is speaking to us. The enemy is trying to discourage us. He's trying to get us to quit. But it won't happen. We will not give in. We will build up on our endurance, our boldness, our trust. We will be more diligent than we ever have before. And we'll keep applying ourselves. Father, I thank you for the good things that are ahead. The calling that is on the inside, you can draw it out of us in great ways. So we yield ourselves to you to see what you're doing. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you've gotten discouraged here today in your calling, in fact, let's just uh, bow our heads again. Keep your... 
Everyone close your eyes, bow your head. If you're here and you said, I kind of got discouraged from whatever it is, the calling I had. I've been discouraged on that. I feel like it's never coming about. No one looking around, just raise your hand. Father, you see the hands that are up. I know discouragement can set in. Father, we keep on. We just keep on. We will continue to prepare. We will continue to be made ready. That when the day comes and you need to call on us, just as you did with Isaiah, who can we send? We can say, here am I. Send me. I'm ready. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Brother Keith. Good morning. All right. It's time to rehearse God. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. All right. Does anybody not like to stretch? Because that's me, okay? You start to sound like, but the more you do it, look, I, I'm, I'm, look, stretching is good. Uh, just a couple of announcements. We can have a seat for a second. Next week, we're starting to officially accept our shoe boxes, and there's a list on the bulletin back board back there as to what is approved and what is not approved. So take a look and let's bring some stuff in so we can be a blessing to some children around Christmas time. Also, there's a women's conference coming up in September. I believe it's September 15th in Reading, PA. You can see Allie. She's coordinating everything. See her soon. See her quick. There are several different courses or sessions that you can take, but make sure you get in touch with her early. Okay. Now, as we practice or rehearse God, just a few things to keep you updated as to what's going on. Chris Barnish is actually watching us right now. She's doing better. She's getting there. She's hoping to be with us as soon as possible. Okay. Uh, Brother Lothar had a fall this week. Okay, so he is was out in the hospital, out of the hospital, in the hospital, but he is on the mend, and we're asking for a prayer to his total healing that he gets back and does what he needs to do. On Ento's dad, he has been receiving the medical treatment that he needs to be re- receiving. However, in Cameroon, it's a time of turmoil. It's actually a time of somewhat like civil war. So they're actually shooting and stuff is going on. And when you're in the hospital there, you don't just get everything you need, like food. Your family is responsible for bringing food to you when you're in the hospital. Well, when they're shooting and carrying on, it makes it kind of tough for family members to want to come to the hospital to bring vittles. Okay, so we need to be praying for the situation in Cameroon and that Ento's relatives can be able to get to her father and to minister to him. 
She said that her uncle was there a couple days ago and he is doing well and was able to talk about most of what's going on medically. So he is getting there. Okay. Trying to figure out how I do this one. All right. Um, a praise report kind of sort of for me. Yesterday I had a wonderful opportunity to ride with the brothers. Okay. You know, it's, sometimes it's good for guys just to be guys. And generally when guys are being just guys, we're walking the tightrope being guys. It's just the way it is. I mean, whether we're going shooting or uh, whatever it is, go-kart racing, or there's always that element of you don't know. Well, yesterday we kind of got a little closer to the line than we wanted to be. And yesterday we were doing motorcycling. So Lamar, Les, and I went up to Connecticut. Lamar wanted to get a motorcycle, so we took a ride up to Connecticut. Wonderful ride, great day. The sun was shining, the birds were chirping. It was good. Well, like always happens, you get almost home. And we were... 50 miles from home, maybe less, somewhere around there. And we had a problem. Brother Les ended up going down. Now, I don't know what you know about motorcycling, but there's no good way to go down on a motorcycle, and it usually involves some scuffing, like we call road rash. So Brother Les went down. He's okay. Went, took a trip to the hospital just to make sure everything was okay. CAT scan, uh, x-rays, everything was negative. But he's in, you know, pain because when you go down, you don't just pop back up unless you're in your 20s. And you still have the pain. You just don't want anybody to know you have the pain, okay? You, you walk around till nobody's looking in this. So he's not doing a whole lot of walking around. But the interesting thing was, in all of that, uh, while we were trying to get cleaned up and waiting for people, I had an opportunity to talk with Lamar because we had just pulled out of a service plaza and I was kind of lagging behind and they went up on a ramp and as I came around the ramp, there was parts of the bike, there was things that were in the bike all over the road and I looked and Brother Les was laying on the ground over here and the bike was 50 yards down the road down there and you know and in a previous life I used to investigate accidents so I kind of looked at it and I could tell this wasn't a real good crash but glory to God brother Les was okay and he didn't have to be okay this was one of those crashes that could have went very very wrong very very fast and after we got him loaded and he went on the ambulance and Lamar and I had a chance just to sit down, we were talking. And Lamar said, you know, I saw my father working his hand earlier today and, and I thought that, you know, he was having a little problem. And he said, you know, I felt that I just needed to pray for him. So he said, I, I started praying, but I really didn't know what I should be praying. So I started to pray in the spirit. 
Hallelujah. Miss Ethel, can you do that for me? He said, I just started to pray. I didn't know what I should pray for. But the word of God tells us that even though we don't know what we should be praying for, likewise, the spirit helps in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Glory to God that he knows what's going on. Now Lamar thought it was a hand, but God knew what Les needed was protection. So he had his angels around Les so Les wasn't seriously hurt and, and, you know, we got to the hospital and went in and talked with Les. And when you're guys, a lot of our talking is joking. So even though he's laying in the hospital, we were able to joke with him and laugh about kind of what had happened. But even in that adversity, even in that trial, Les was giving God glory. He was giving God the honor that number one, he was okay. And he was acknowledging what a wonderful God we serve. It's absolutely amazing. In our time for prayer, we were praying that he was okay, but we're praying for a speedy restoration, that he's back to normal, that, you know, he's back being sticks, childs on the drums. We kind of missed the beat today, but we're expecting it. And we're praying it and we're just waiting for God to manifest it. Also, I have a prayer or a praise report from Lamar from last week. And it's kind of interesting it worked out this way because the praise report is I had a test and he had to pass it for his cybersecurity certification. Now, first of all, Lamar is in the Air Force. And when Lamar joined, Lamar was not a spring chicken, right? Okay. Now, do they have like a nickname for you, Lamar? Like granddad or uncle? Yeah, okay. Just what, anything old and derogatory, because sometimes Lamar is actually uh, not 20 years senior, but you know, not far off, right? About 20 years senior to some of the people that he's taking classes with and, and doing physical training with and things like that. But he had to pass, had to pass this test to get his certification. And it was his last attempt to do this. So the pressure was intense. But it says he prayed, he studied, and he passed. Now, the reason I thought this was so interesting that we're doing this today, because it kind of goes right along with what Pastor was just teaching us. All right? First of all, we've got to do what God says we've got to do. And Lamar showed that in in two respects, not only with this class, but when he heard the Holy Spirit say, you've got to pray for dad. And he started to pray. And for him to get through this course and this class, he had to be disciplined. He had to train. And you know what? He had to be stretched because how many times did you take the test? Okay, three strikes, you're out. 
and you paid for it twice out of his pocket. Sounds like stretching to me, right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah that we are a church that's taught. So as we know things are going to come against us, we can be prepared as they come against us. Glory to God. So when we go out, just continue to rehearse God, practice God. As you understand who he is, what he will do for you, it makes it easier as you face that next trial, as you face that next time that you need to be stretched just a little bit more. When you say, God, no, that's not me. It makes you more willing to say, you know what, God, yes, me. I'm expecting for you to do something that's going to make me uncomfortable. I'm expecting for you to stretch me so I can serve the kingdom of God in all that I do. So greet one another. Enjoy this beautiful day. And we'll see you next Saturday. Praise God. Amen.